Hey, everybody. That is Gary Smith. Hello there. That is Kaz Kenny. And I am Eddie Bramble, and this is episode 66 of the Blackwater's Edge podcast. 66. Coming in hot on 70. Almost. We're not, not quite there yet. We're working on it. I, I, like you said, I want to hit 100. I, th- I think we're going to hit 100 with no problem. I, yeah. I, I'm just wondering, what do you think would be a, a legitimate guess as to how many podcasts we may get before it's over? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. That's a lot. They would have yak. That's a, that's a good point. That's a good point. I was behaving pretty good today, though, right? I'm just, I'm just saying. We, we will go just as long as mind. people want us to keep going. That's <laughs> the way go. I look at it. There you go. That's right. So, look, folks. Uh, I'm not sure if you've ever been to Angler Sports Center up there on Route 50 in Annapolis, but let me tell you what. They've got an amazing stock of fishing tackle. Uh, they've got some great apparel up there. You can get your hands on bait, 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 fishing line, all kinds of snakehead lures. Uh, stop in there, say hi to Mike and Lindsay and everybody out there, Alex and all them guys doing all the uh, live feeds and things for anglers. It's awesome what you guys are doing, and a lot of people are paying attention. Um, you know, we're very grateful to have them as our headline sponsor this year for our tournament trail. So uh, thank you very much, Angler Sports Center in Annapolis. And um, look, uh, how's the fishing been? Everybody wants to know, right? It's been pretty hot. It's hot outside, and the fishing's been pretty good. So I'm not sure what happened, but it's like a light switch f- has flipped in the last two weeks. And it is really coming to life down here. I think here. they've come off the spawn a little bit, too. I think so, too. I think you got the fry balls. They're out guarding them. We're seeing lots of that. Um, you know, as far as other fish go, a few bass are being caught. Not many. Um, haven't heard much on the bluegill and crappy front at all so far in the last couple of weeks. Not much of anything. Catfish. Lots of catfish. Uh, if, you like, lots. if you like carp, uh, there is certainly plenty of carp around. Uh, right in hell, if you want to get your hands on some of them. Uh, Catfish, if you've been to some brown bullheads, they've been catching a few over at Key Wallace. Not a lot, but those are them little catfish like this. And I love them because it's like eating a chicken when you just snap the head right off and just pull the skin right off. It's like, uh, what are the ones that they uh, sell at, up at Cool Ice? Um, oh. Why, how is it like eating a chicken wing when you got to snap the head off? No, um, no, no. When, what are you asking, when have man? you ever had to snap the head off of a chicken wing? I just want to know that. Well, when I was a boy, I think I was like three or four. I remember this far back at my great-grandparents' place in Virginia. And uh, that was one of the things that we did. We snapped the heads off of chicken wings down there. So, you know, that's just something I learned as a child. Oh, my chicken's had heads. <laughs> that's that's awesome. a wing, but, hey, I, yeah. I've never seen a wing uh, with a head on it. That's I've, never, I've never seen a Virginia Being chicken. Being talking so about I this, i got to tell you, I was scared to death of chickens when I was a kid because my, gran- my great-grandmother had this stump out there. It was the killing stump, she called it. Literally, she would whack that chicken with a hatchet, and, man, it would run around, <laughs> blood squirting out the head. And when it fell over, she'd run over and grab that thing like it was nothing, just start pulling if the out. If I was your out. grandfather, you'd be scared of me. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, Kathy. Come here, boy. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, the fish has been pretty good. I mean, all around, you know, if you want to catch some fish, there's certainly plenty out here to catch. Don't be afraid to look in the ditches, okay? Don't be afraid to look. I mean, if there's a spot that you know that has some fish in it and it's far away from something, you never know what you're going to find in these little gems, you know? Like, me and Gary were talking earlier. We had a chance to go up to North Bay today, Adventures up there at Top. This is our second time going up there this year. And we've been doing some snakehead seminars up there for the kids, helping them out with stuff. And uh, I'll tell you what, Gary, it's amazing how, how intrigued these kids are about the stuff that we're sharing with them, the photos we're yeah. showing them, you know, and a little bit of educa- education that we're doing. And well, it's, it's science, you know, they yeah. like science. I mean, the cool thing was, listen, so today they were going to go, what, snorkeling, wasn't it? Snorkeling or something like that. And Gary says, I want to go snorkeling, too. <laughs> they said, you can come on yeah. anytime you want. That's cool be somewhere you can see in the water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't really get that around yeah, here. That, that's what he was telling us. Like, yeah, we can't see nothing down there. So, yeah. you know, in the Upper Bay, um, it's, it's really unfolding, man. You know, a lot of new opportunities are opening up up there. Um, it's good to see those that are helping one another, you know, to, to find their first fish or to get on the fish and learn how to target snakeheads. 
Um, I think that's really important. And that's kind of why we were doing what we're doing in North Bay, because we want to try to pass that on to the newcomer and we want to help those people out. So, um, you know, you, I always say it all the time, you don't know if you don't go. So, you know, you don't know what you're going to catch unless you get down here and you, you just go fishing. I know a guy yesterday that I think he wound up with 30-some is what he told me. I know a guy a couple of days ago wound up with a couple over 30. I know that, Gary, you've had been out a couple times this week, and you've had some <laughs> – some absolute giants, you know, little Willie, little Willie, he, he, he nailed the canal, you know what I'm saying? So it, it's been some really good fishing. And, and Gary, you might just want to touch on some stuff about, you know, maybe what you guys are doing real quick before we get in the podcast. You know, cause a lot of, a lot of people been asking me, what's Gary doing? What's Gary throwing? What, you know, what's going on? How's he catching these big fish? Every time you've been out, you've been nailing fish over 10 pounds. Yeah, but I haven't been out much, but yeah, every time. That's the point. So. You know, the guys that are here that are putting time in, you know, they're, find, they're finding some fish to catch. So, um, tell them what you've been catching them on. Yeah, so I took my, took my cousin out the other night, and uh, we took some minutes. We didn't have uh, only four or five big minutes, and we got this one particular place, and it's usually always a fish there. And I told him, I said, put this minnow on. I said, just cast right up by that, that stick in the water. And it immediately, when it hit the water, the bobber just disappeared. And I thought, you know, the minnow pulled it down, but it never came back up. And we're looking, and you can see the bobber about four inches underwater. And it was on a snelled hook, which is probably, what, six inches long? And it was about ten inches of water there. So that's, <laughs> so the fish basically grabbed it and just went down side on the bottom. So we waited about 10, 15 seconds. I thought, let's go ahead pull it, see what happens. And it just took off. This is a 32-and-a-half-inch fish, first naked he ever caught. And you had a couple other you were catching yeah, and then yourself. He caught, a, he caught a 16-inch one, kind of brought him back down to earth. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, I know you were out here recently with some topwater stuff, doing some things on your yeah. own. Uh, talk about what you were using there. I mean, the buzz baits. Buzz baits. Yeah. And, and the buzz bait of choice you were using was? The um, high octane. You yeah, still using high them? High octane. Yeah, they're, they're good buzz baits, man. They just, just travel across the water nice. Yeah, we, we, we mean to call yeah. Steve. We'll get with him after the podcast, make him rhyme me about that. I caught one like 28 and, and uh, caught another one. Uh, and and that was after shooting hours, <laughs> shooting time. <laughs> it, was, it was like the last light, and I hit that buzz bait, and then I called another one on a minnow. Now I know so. I saw the mayor down there the other day, or, or ex mayor, whatever former you want to mayor. say, former mayor. Um, how has he caught anything? Yeah, he's been doing pretty good. That's I what I heard. Yeah. And then another fellow I know was getting down there and getting on a few. He was getting a few yeah. too. I think little Willie kind of cleaned out that, <laughs> that one spot. <laughs> that one. That one. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you that that was a hell of a haul. You know, we yeah, were yeah, a good day. We were sharing with the folks up there at uh, North Bay. You know, some of the stuff and told the story behind Little Willie and how that all went down. And uh, you know, they, they were really, really, really just they they loved it. You know, we shared the pictures where he's pointing at his fish and just oh look at this. You know, and that's I mean that's a thing that that place where he was fishing is I've been there ten times this year. I caught like two fish. Willie goes down there and warps them. You know, <laughs> that's fishing. Just, they were there that day. Yep, that's all <laughs> it is. So, uh, so before we get into our next guest, uh, let's talk about the land group real quick. You know, if you're down here in Dorchester County or anywhere in the great state of Maryland, hey, look, I got my Maryland Bass Racks Outdoor shirt on today. There you go, Kevin. Uh, anyway, if you're anywhere in the state of Maryland and you're looking for land to buy or looking for that retirement place or you're just looking for that special dream that you had, you know, and you're able to bring it together, let me tell you what, my good friend Rob Fryer at the land group, he sells dirt, lots of dirt. I don't mean just sells dirt. He sells some dirt with wood, some dirt with fields, some dirt with rivers and streams. So you never know what you're going to find when you reach out to Mr. Fryer. What about so dirt? Dirt and water. <laughs> well, if, if look, I can tell you right now, if, if Rob's got an area on the property that you want to have filled and you're buying it, I can promise you he's going to do what he can to get you filled in and get you sold, you know? 
I think some of the most amazing thing that I like about the way he sells his properties is by the pictures that he takes through trail, trail cameras to show people, you know, what's available on those properties. And I don't know if a lot of folks out there do watch. I know a lot of my friends now pay attention to it. And uh, good Lord, there's just some giant bucks in this, the turkeys, and just the amount of wildlife on some of these places he's selling is unreal. So if you're looking to get into that kind of business, you're looking to guide deer or something like that, want to do some goose hunting, you know, reach out to Rob. You know, he can help you out with stuff. And, uh, Good, Eddie. Why don't you tell me about our first guest? Yeah, so our guest this week is the winner of the Snakehead Mayhem tournament, Roman Gorelski. Roman, how you doing today, buddy? Hey, hey, what's up, guys? How are you? <laughs> don't sound so live. You sound tired, buddy. <laughs> With them fishing trips, where are you out? <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, you know, I had a long trip for uh, for some cobia and some reds, and we tried for some sheephead, and then... We sat on bait, and then we looked for them, and then the weather was bad, and it was just, that kind of wore me out, so now I'm just catching up to, to everything in life. So, let us know how all this happened. Eddie, Eddie always asks this, so I'm cutting him off. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Roman. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as you guys already know, a lot of people don't know, I'm originally from Ukraine. Um, I love the story. I love the story. It's going to be short, so <laughs> Uh, I lived there until the age of 15. My parents were both doctors. Um, they both worked as doctors, but you can imagine how not how corrupt the place is because as doctors, we weren't making a good living, and they were high doctors. Then we came to the United States. Um, they work in medical field. I went to school for medicine. I worked in Johns Hopkins for three years, and then I found out that IT was something for me. Now, last three years, I've been working for the United States government at Aberdeen, doing some computer work and catching some dragons. Yeah, I am. That that that's pretty awesome. So, so you <laughs> came over here. I, I mean, I know I know a lot more of your story and things like that. And I, I'm always just loving to hear the stories from people. I think that's one of the greatest things that people like about this podcast is some of the just most differential stories that they get to hear. You know, um, absolutely. I know that you you know you, you crab you fish growing up. Tell us a little bit about growing up. I mean, how how was it once you got here? I mean, what 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 hobbies did you find? I mean, what what got you really really fired up in fishing? Were you fishing in Ukraine before you came here? So yeah, I was fishing in Ukraine, and uh, who got me into fishing was my grandfather on my dad's side of family. He's the only grandparent that's still alive, and uh, I still bring him down to Blackwater, and uh, we fish for carp and snakehead and stuff like that. He's a big outdoorsman in general. When he was a bit younger, when I was growing up in Ukraine, he knew every forest, every piece of woods. He knew where to get wild mushrooms. He knew every stream, every lake, and everything there was to know. So I was always involved in outdoors. And then I came to the United States. I had to slow down on my outdoors. I had to catch up on learning the language, going to school, and a whole bunch of craziness was going on the first two years. <laughs> But my getaway from the craziness as I was living in Baltimore City was to find a fishing rod at the flea market and go down to Inner Harbor and catch white perch and try to catch stuff I didn't even know existed at the time. <laughs> and then I met some folks um, fishing. I met some folks, Solomon, my buddy Solomon, and Chris Collins. Um, and they both put me on some bigger fish. They got me excited with walleye and stripers. And that's, that was the end of that. I mean, now I thousand dollars a rod and you know <laughs> unlimited amount of money on base and crazy seven seven day trips and you name it it's part of it it's just part of my life you know you you, you mentioned carp and you know a lot of folks really snub their nose at carp and i'm I, I was one of those guys at one time in my life you know 
what what do you guys make with the carp that you guys catch? So it depends how to clean the carp, how to work the carp. And I've watched I've i watched some kind of TV show that back in the day, Asians were the ones who put carp in Europe, and carp in Europe was for the purpose of people feeding on it. That they knew they were going to spread everywhere, and people were going to be able to eat the fish. Um, carp is not so bad of a fish when you cut out the bloodline and the bone. Right. You can fry it. You can make this soup with it. That's a very popular, like an outdoorsman. Every time we used to go hunting and fishing with my dad, we used to make the fish stew and so forth. Um, if you know how to cook carp, you can you can make a really good dish. It's the same thing with deer. If you don't know what you're doing with a deer meat, it will be stinky, it will be tough, and it will not taste good. But if you know how to cook it properly, it will taste actually pretty good. And so what? you can fry carp it and you can make here. cakes. Excuse me, I'll, I'll let me interrupt. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, you can no. make pretty much anything with carp that you would make with any other fish. The bad effect of carp is that it does have a lot of those pin bones that you need to learn how to cut them out. Right. That's amazing. The carp were actually introduced here by Europeans because they, they were so favored. And yep. and then after they got here, they did so well, everybody was eating them, and the Europeans wanted something better. <laughs> they thought, you know, because it, they just became uh, very similar to what the hardheads did here. Back in, in the 50s, you, you couldn't give them away, Harley, because there were so many of them. And yep. people, you know, people wanted something different. So. Now, I, I know, Roman, you know, you fish a lot with my cousin Ricky, too. Um, I know that, you know, he's Jewish, and in their culture, I, I think it's called kafilta fish. Is that is that is that what it is? Kafilta. Uh, it's 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 called. I don't know. Okay, see, so whatever the holiday is, I can't remember, they always wanted me to bring them a, a live carp. And they made it. The dish was called kafilta fish. So I can't remember everything because I was little. Well, they used they use carp because the fish has to be alive when the priest blesses it. Yes, yes, yeah, that's what carp had to live a long time. You could use a snakehead if you could transport them alive. Right, as long as it was alive when the priest blessed the fish. Well, I will tell you a little story. So where I lived, growing up in Harford Square in Edgewood, we had a neighbor. His name was Mister Herb, and he was a preacher. And uh, I was bringing him my carp and stuff every time I caught him because I didn't know what to do with them, you know, and I. I not not I, I brought a bunch home one day that I was going to eat them, and I didn't know what I was doing. Long story short, I, I didn't clean them right. I busted mud lines. It tasted like crap. I mean, it was horrible. So Mr. Herb, you know, he was always this guy that watched me, you know, kind of out in the street and stuff like that, kept an eye on me. And I remember one night he said to me, he said, come on down, I got some crab cakes for you. This is a true story. I went down there, and I ate what I thought at that time were the best crab cakes in my whole entire life, I swear to God. So uh, we get done. He's like, how'd you like them? I said, man, they're delicious, Mr. Herb. My gosh. I was like, what'd you put in them? He goes, well, that's carp. I said, carp? He said, yeah, remember you was talking to me last week about the fish that you caught and how you ruined it? And that's what he told me. That was the first time I really kind of learned about carp, and it was like everything that you're saying here, the mud lines, the bones, the this, the that, you know? So I, I know I, it, it's, it, it's a skill to do it. That's why I wanted to ask you, you know, what you guys do with it and what you make with it. Well, one day I'll come down to Blackwater and I'll make the soup and uh, I'll have you guys try it. You will not know what it is. And even if you don't taste the fish and just try the soup and the broth, it's absolutely delicious and it's out of this world. Well, that's kind of how Imagine me at the age of, oh, at the age of 15 <laughs> when I was fishing for carp in Ukraine and catching one here, one there, because it's not that much fish. It's like I said, it's all corrupt. I was coming down here and people were giving them away. I was like, holy moly, load me up. (laughs) Until like, I didn't know what to do with them. And now honestly, like now we don't even eat carp. I mean, I give it away to church and other stuff like that. You know, fish like snakeheads rolling around and it's basically white 
safety for me. There's no need to chase them. Kind of a little we irony in being a, a gefilte fish. You get to the priest, yeah. and the priest blesses you. Then they kill you. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> well, I, I, actually, I didn't finish the story with Mr. Herb. So Mr. Herb showed me the carp that were in the trash can. And literally, I don't know how to explain it to you, but your mind plays tricks on you. And all of a sudden, this delicious crab cake that I ate, I could smell it as I was breathing, I thought, once he told me it was carp. Because when I first caught that first carp and hit that mud line, oh, my God, the smell was like that methane smell of the marsh. You know what I mean? So I ruined it when he told me that it was carp. I got sick. I threw up everywhere. He said, I thought you liked it. I was like, I didn't until you told me it was carp, Mr. Herb. You know? So uh, so there, there's a lot of uses for a lot of fish that a lot of people overlook. And I think that's really cool that you do some stuff like that. Um, let's yeah, talk. Absolutely. Let's talk about uh, where you are today with your fishing. I mean, what? what, 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 what I know you go after snakes. What else do you like to catch, Roman? Man, I catch everything. You I do go, uh, <laughs> because I live in Baltimore. I go downtown, even literally downtown, and I'll do top water for stripers. You can catch some huge wipers downtown. I mean, it's a good ha- good habitat for wipers. I catch some water of a decent snakehead. Sometimes the big ones like to bite. Um, Got lucky to go on the Cobia trip. Caught my first blue red. I mean, that was awesome on the medium mud and four thousand. Oh, I saw you cranking that thing, baby. Oh, uh, that thing was screaming. And my mm-hmm. friend, I thought I was going to break that rod, but I put that thing to the test and it passed. So um, I pretty much a little bit of everything. I take my grandfather out every time I can. So if he wants to do car fishing and cat fishing and you know wait and bait. I'll adjust and I'll do whatever else there is to fish and yeah. a little Black, bit of everything. Blackwater's a great place for carp fishing. Yeah, it is. Oh, we come down there a lot. Yeah, I, I don't think that we have you know those big giant forty pounders yeah. like you see up yeah. today in the oh, gunpowder. Yeah. yeah, we do. You do? Yeah. You do. I mean, yeah. I, I, I've yeah. never, I've never, I don't think I've ever caught a carp here. And I'm just keeping it real. I don't think I've ever caught a carp here over like ten pounds. Uh, I think God, the biggest, one, biggest so one I ever caught here was twenty eight pounds. There's so many little ones that the big ones don't get a chance to eat a, you know, to eat the bait. The, the small ones will get in front of them. And well, see, and see, and see that's kind of what I always wonder because when I went and I tried here, like I had some really, really special spots above Conowingo Dam from shore that you could just stand and just throw a handful of carp out there and then just take your hook and toss it out there as you're watching them feed underneath of you. And I mean, them, them carp were huge, you know. That's what I was just catching up there. And in the Bush River and in the gunpowder, they're just big carp up there, you know. They grow big. Down here, I just didn't see the size when I started fishing here, and I still have yet to see that personally with my own eyes. A fish forty pounds here, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I know they're here, like Gary's saying, but maybe that's what it is. Maybe what you just said—the smaller fish get to it before the other fish can get to it too. Yeah, that's where I bite. So I know I know you fished with Ricky a little bit this year. What, what have you guys gotten into so far, other than snakeheads? Uh, well, the right week before the Snake tournament, me and Ricky almost won the Flounder tournament in Virginia. I want you to talk about that. That's why I brought it up. Really awesome. We missed that by half an inch, man. And actually, I had a big fish in one. It was shaking. It was shaking hard. I felt the head shake. It was pulling my drag even a little bit, but it just came off the hook. I didn't have the hook set. Uh, but you know, uh, it's always good in farm fishing with with good people. So we we came second, and it wasn't bad. So how it doesn't. Ricky doesn't have much time, so, you know, we get to take him down and down a little bit, a little here on the bridges where I get around my way and, you know, Eastern Avenue and then downtown the bridges and catch some strikers and things like that. I, I think I think people really overlook 
some of the fishing in the harbor, like you're talking about, just from the bank, walking around on the on, on the sidewalks and sitting on a bench. I mean, there's tons of places down. Uh, no Del- fishing in the harbor. No fish there. No fish there. No fish <laughs> oh, the oh, oh, we're going to play that angle. You're right, man. There ain't nothing in the harbor, man. Don't waste your time down there. They done caught them all and killed them all. Ain't nothing left. Okay, hurry up. I got to go fish. <laughs> so, Roman, when, when did you catch your first snakehead? How, how long ago was that? Uh, so... Chaz probably remembers that he took me out and I was bugging him and bugging him and bugging him and he said, all right, fine, come down. I took off work. <laughs> we got. I begged him to get a cornflower in the car because I just love that dude. I mean, it's just, if you want to have a good time fishing and blast your ass off, you can take we, a cornflower. We definitely had that that day. There is no doubt about oh, that. Man. Gosh. And we just tore them up. It was a small one, but it was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful fish. I remember we changed locations. We went to one of the bridges. And that same day, I hit one on a frog. And Cass still shares that picture with a light green frog with my snakehead. I do. Time, but it's okay. I it's will okay. never, I will never forget your <laughs> face when we went over to Blackwater and Cornflower was there in this pickup. And I said, uh, I said, you ever seen one over fifteen? And you said, Are you kidding me? And I remember oh, you yeah. got up in that truck and you picked that thing. I can't remember if it was a seventeen pound or seventeen and a half. It was over seventeen. I remember that fish it was, was. Over seventeen. Yeah, coins was big. Too. Yeah, but I remember you picked that thing up and you're like, Good God, man, this is all I want to do is catch one like this, man. Yeah, because yeah. you know, that that place that I took us that day was a new place for me and um you know, I was kinda of doing what the man had asked us to do, which was go there and remove the fish from the pond, you know, because they were having some issues with it. Uh That's right. and when we got down there, I mean I, I forget what we had, but it was a pile, man. You know, I don't, I don't know. Oh, what it was, was a pile. It was cast after cast. Once you found them in the bank, it was cast after cast. They were just stacking up, and we were pulling them out. And the craziest thing is, like, like when I was first showing you, you know, I wanted you to see just the sheer numbers that were in something like that. You know what I'm saying? And and oh, yeah. that that yes. pond got like that in a matter of three, three, a uh, matter of three, maybe uh, three years. That pond got just overrun with, and there was nothing left in it. You know. So that was now, good for us to do that. Now happening like that on the west side. I mean, I call them. I, I never caught so many fish anywhere. Talking about snakeheads uh, than this year on the west side. I mean, I took the third in the anglers, and I almost, I almost won that thing. I just lost the fish right by the bank. But that was the beginning of the season where I came with almost three tens. One was eleven seven or eleven four, something like that. There's so many giants here that it's some areas don't have bait for rockfish to come. That's my that's my kind of like a thinking about it. I can't catch a rockfish while I've been catching them really good. And the reason for that is not because there's no rockfish, it's because there's no bait and they will not chase the bait to the corners. And I used to catch rockfish left, left and right of this in some areas and they're just not there anywhere. And, 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 and this is in the upper bay you're talking? Oh, yeah, this is talking about just, you know, right around here, right around my way. I mean, I live in Baltimore City, right around here, all the little small rivers and, you know. I see, I see Ricky just tuned in. What's going on, Rick? We've been talking bad about you this whole show. Look, Roman, I don't want to interrupt you real quick just for one second. I want to talk about something really special going on by the CCA of Maryland. Our good friend Dave, our good friend Dave Sikorsky. Uh, Eddie will help me out there a little bit with it. It's called the Great. Talk to your mic. Okay. It's called the. <laughs> it's called the Great Chesapeake Invasive Count. So uh, what we want you to do is, as you're harvesting these fish, you can register these fish over at the CCA website. Eddie, what was that? Uh, that that. It's a uh, ccamd.org/count. So you 
put that in your search bar. It'll take you right over there, and then you can register your fish, okay? So what you're going to do here is you're going to register the length. You can give them the girth. You don't have to give them your exact spot. We would like to have the river, you know what I mean, to call it from so that we can just kind of collect the data from there. It also gives you an option to check the guts, okay? So if you want to do some gut sampling and try to see what the snakeheads are eating where you are, I mean, go ahead and do that. We're, we're also checking that's bass, another, too, to see what's... That's another entry, right, when you do yeah, that? Yeah, two entries when you do yes, this. Yes, yes. So, uh, so, you know, Dave Sikorsky and the CCA, they're doing some wonderful things. If you weren't here at our last tournament, we had a fresh snakehead on the grill from Traeger. Uh, I mean, it's just a good time, you know? And, and the next tournament, hopefully, may, maybe Dave will get back down here with us again. And we got some stuff coming up with him up the Upper Bay later on in the year, which we can't get into right now, but some big-time stuff. So, uh, you know, if you would like to win a Dart Spin Pro, okay, Gary's going to show you what that lure yep. is. I see some like that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, everybody has really been doing good here with the Hyperlastics in the last couple oh of weeks. Oh, my God, you know, they've been tearing catching them up. Them. I, I don't, we don't have much left here, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and we're praying to the Lord that we get us a delivery here sooner than later. Just because so. I bought them all. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you and Ricky. That's Ricky's favorite that's thing Ricky's now, you know? Too, and that's hey, mine, that too. The, that, I caught all the big fish on that lure at the tournament, so that was it. But I just like them white, and then I use white with the chartreuse, uh, flip and tail, and uh, silver blade. This one right here in my hand, actually, I think. I think it's this yeah. right there with the chartreuse tail and and the, uh, it's 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 that that uh that pearlish uh, body. I, I like this yeah. because it glows in the dark, also. Yeah. Well, there's two. There's yeah. one, there's one that's, that's pearl. That's and there's one that glows. And and yeah, the, the reason I like that glow good. in the dark is I don't know if anybody's tried glow in the dark lures here, like shallow diving crankbaits and glow in the dark rattle traps and stuff right. like that. It actually shows up. In the black water. So, you so, can't see it visually, but you can see the hue. You know what I'm saying? So what do they have to say to win that hyperlastics? I don't know. What do you want to say, Gary? Ricky's favorite. Ricky's favorite. Oh, Ricky's favorite. I like it. <laughs> All right, let's get Give back Ricky to what we're doing. Plug. So so, so your biggest dragon that you've caught yet, well, before I go into that, we were talking about the striped bass. So here's some news. Okay, we got some studies going on right now, and they just did a little bit in the Bush River and up Otter Creek and places like that. So uh, the next sampling that we're going to be doing, I think, is in another two weeks, and we're going to be on the flats, and we're going to be surveying what we're seeing there in the grass, and we may take another run back up into the Bush River. Um, talking to the biologist today, the average fish that they were getting in the Bush River was over seven pounds. So that's pretty alarming that these fish have gotten that big that fast in that, in that particular river system. Uh, they did tell me also that they probably missed 100. They were shocking that they just couldn't get to. And these were also big and bigger fish. The biggest fish that they got in the survey, I believe, was close to 14 pounds. And where was this at? And up in the Bush River, the Feeder Bush Creeks, River. the Feeder Creeks up there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up fishing the Bush River. You know, I know the bass fisher there was amazing at one time. You know, call it what you want. Uh, but I'll tell you what. I mean, just talking to my friends I grew up with in Edgewood that are fishing Otter Creek and places like that. I mean, they are they are just absolutely smoking the fish, you know. And and I know Roman, you've got some pretty sweet spots you can get some some access to. Uh, what what is the biggest snakehead you've gotten personally so far? My personal is around fifteen pounds. Around what is it? Fifty pounds? <laughs> sixteen. Sixteen. Fifteen. That's a good it's almost sixteen pounds. Yeah, almost sixteen. That's big fish. And, that, and, 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 and before, that's before they got to the west. Well, I think they were here on the west side, but I got that one over where you guys at. Okay. Hello. How long was it? It was like 32 and a half, almost 33 inches. I don't remember the length. That's, that's one thing that's amazing about these fish is, is you could have a 33-inch fish that's only 6 pounds, and then you could have a 28-inch fish that, that's 11 pounds. 
That's yeah. that's always boggled my mind about these fish. How 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 much their weight can fluctuate just from the the length. Yeah. Of it. I I, yeah, I think I think for me the, the most the coolest thing about the fish is that you just can't nail it down, man. You just can't nail yeah. it down. You think you got it nailed down, and the wool gets pulled over your eyes, and boom, you're done. Kind of like the tournaments, you know what I mean? We yeah. had the first tournament here. A bunch of guys did great. Those a guys, few, a few that, guys did great. Well, that's the what I'm first saying. The first tournament, a couple guys did real so, good. A lot of fish like bass and and stripers and bluegills and stuff. You can kind of pattern them because there's certain times you're doing certain things. Snakeheads do whatever the weather's doing. Patterns always change. You, you, you kind of got a good point Nick there. Cloudy you know? doing one thing. Sunshiny day doing nothing. Yeah, I mean, hot, they, yeah. hot, cold. You know. They, they just change up with, with the weather. They could be ready to rip loose right now and get cold, yeah. and, and they're not. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that has a lot to do with what's been going on this year here. And a lot of guys are saying, oh, there's not as many fish. I don't know where you're fishing, but we're seeing plenty of fish. Well, right it's, now, so. it's crazy because this spring, we've seen plenty of fish. Yes. We've seen a lot of fish. It's just not been as many hookups as in, as in previous years. But a big part of that, I think, was was how late the spring was. Spring was I mean, how late spring was transitioning to summer. It oh. took forever to get from that 70-degree mark up to where it is to 90 degrees now. We had fry bowls last year in April. Hey, exactly. Yes. Exactly. And, and Early April. Pictures that Early April. And I didn't see a fry bowl until the day before. It was our last tournament. Yeah, it was. It was between tournaments. I'm sure there were some there, but I didn't see any personally. Right. I I know. Yeah, just driving around yesterday, looking at some stuff in some ditches in the evening. I mean, I didn't have a rod with me, and I wished I had a gig with me. I can tell you that. I mean, I was blown away at the amount of fish that were just shooting down the ditch. As I'm driving by. Roman, you've had the opportunity to fish some ditches down here, haven't you? Yeah, fishing ditches. I haven't got a chance to shoot them yet, but I can't wait. That's my next that's my next thing to do. Uh, I was just about to ask you. Yeah, I fish the ditches with you a lot. I should I do a lot of things with Rick when it comes around. He just drops me off and then he takes off for thirty minutes because <laughs> you can't park there. Then he just rolls back. Come on back in and I'll come back in the Sometimes with fish, sometimes without. He'll leave you for thirty minutes and come back with a cooler load of fish and you still got nothing, right? <laughs> yeah, that or leaves yeah. for an hour and he's done eat a cheesesteak and fell asleep in the truck. Cares <laughs> <laughs> will leave you for thirty minutes and come back. All your candy's gone. So, so let me ask you this, Roman. If, if, if a new guy walks up to you right now and he says, hey, man, I've seen you on Facebook before. I've seen you here before. I don't know what to get, man. What are three lures I should buy to go snakehead fishing? What, what are you going to tell that guy? So the simplest lure, I think, for me is a, a four-inch paddle tail, and I like it in white. If they don't bite, put them on white. And you can put it in the, on the jig head with the hook sticking up on top, or you can put it on an inline hook. With one of those corkscrews, you screw on top, you hide the hook, that way you can run it weedless. That's everybody's go-to. You can set it up properly weedless. Every time I take my girlfriend fishing, that's what I set up for her, the less problems for me. So she's she's whipping it out there and reeling it in. That's number one. Number two would be something with a blade, either hyperelastic or map spinner, something with a blade to get their attention, some kind of some kind of spinner bait. And number three will be top water frog. I will go with a tackle frog. Uh, that's my go-to. Uh, I like the maraca. It makes a whole lot of noise, and that's one way to fish off a big giant so you can come shooting at it. <laughs> I like them tackle frogs too myself. Um, that's my go-to. So let me ask you. I know you, I know you throw a lot of bait. So as far as live bait goes, do you use much live bait at all, Roman, or are you pretty much strictly back to just using lures all, all the time? I use live bait, and I'm not going to lie, I only use live bait for the anglers tournament when the weather turned to crap, and the last week and a half, nobody was catching anything. I found a bluegill pond, and I was tearing up bluegills and just live-lining them and putting them on a the hook, 
And that's how I actually lost one of the biggest fish I ever had hooked. I mean, it was right in front of my face. He was never hooked. He just swallowed the bluegill. And when I ripped it out of his mouth, every single fin on that bluegill was turned backwards. So <laughs> it, just slid, it just slid out of his mouth. But I had him on the hook for a good two, three minutes. I mean, I guess not on the hook, but I had a bait in his mouth. He wouldn't let it go. He was fighting me and everything. And then, whoop, that was it. All right, Remy, let me take a break from Let's give away something else here again. Uh, so we're going to give away a Z-Man micro chatterbait, okay? Uh, just so you know, this giveaway is sponsored by Horseman Enterprises. Look, if you need a custom crab boat, if you have crashed your boat, broke your motor, or anything like that, call Benny down there at Horseman Enterprises, and he will get you fixed up with a new rig, get your motor fixed, and get you back going where you need to be. I can tell you right now, he has built some absolutely beautiful crabbing boats here. And what we got sailing here in the little chop tank and the big chop tank is just amazing what these guys are doing. These are two of the hungriest brothers I've ever seen in my life, you know. Alex and Benny, I mean, they will go above and beyond to make sure that you get what you need. I can tell you that. So uh, You think they're hungry. I make their lunch most days. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, uh, so, so here's what we're going to do with that micro chatter. I just want you to put Horseman Enterprises in the comment. And you can have that chatter. First person to do it. Uh, Roman, so you, you you do any crabbing at all? You like crabbing? Let's talk a little bit about crabbing. I know uh, you and your pop, you had some crabbing stuff going on at one time. Uh, my dad had a little commercial thing going on, and that's before I got into really good, you know, fishing and all that. And then he sold that thing. It wasn't for him. Uh, he made his money in license, and that was good for that. But I do a lot of crabbing with Rick, actually. Every time I come down there for the tournament, especially now that we have one-day tournament, <laughs> Sunday is a good day. We do a lot of crabbing down there with Rick. So. You been catching any crabs? Has it been for you guys? No, nah, this year I've only been stopping by and eating his crabs. I haven't been going with them. And the reason I ask you that is because everybody keeps asking me, where are the crabs? Where are the crabs? Where are the crabs? And, and really, folks. They're in the water. They're in the water. <laughs> but there's just not a lot of numbers, you know. And back to this whole survey that we're doing in the Upper Bay with U.S. Fish and Wildlife and DNR, around DNR, is that, uh, you know, we're really looking in these grasses to see what's going on with the year young crabs, the year young rockfish. Something's just not adding up, and I think that I've made enough stink about it and others that now we're looking into that. You know, we, we really immediately were looking at the angler, looking at the commercial guy, trying to put blame on the charter captains, and I really think there's a lot of other contributing factors to the decline in the rockfish, and I honestly believe that some of that decline is due to the result of the introduction of the snakehead, and I just have to go there with that. I, mean, you know? all, I think it's all invasive for, for – I mean, you've got the blue cats out yep. in the bay. I mean, they, yep. they're – they get huge out in the bay. We've all talked about it before. But when we've talked about this, the snakeheads are in the mud flats. Point blank period. When you're, when you're introducing fish that get 70, 80 pounds, right. and you're introducing fish that get up to 20 pounds that are aggressive feeders, and there's numbers of them, it's going to affect something. Yeah. I mean, they're not eating each other. They'd all be gone. Yeah, I, I know we, we, we were talking here, me and you personally, about you know why we weren't seeing any snakeheads here for a little bit. And I think you had a really kind of legitimate point here, you know, and, and I'm going to ask you, Gary, for those folks that, that, that may think that, and we were talking about that, what do you think contributed to maybe not seeing as many snakeheads? You said it earlier. They ate what? They ate everything. Right. Yeah. So they, know, I mean, it's, they don't particularly – we never really until the end of last year ever saw carp in any of them's uh, stomach right. content. Right. Then we started seeing carp and shad, which we never saw before. This year, a lot of And that's of that. because the majority of everything else is going. I think, you yep. know, they're down. It's time to go to the grocery store. 
Well, we're we, down to vegetables. All the meat's gone. <laughs> we we, we <laughs> noticed, you know, <laughs> as these carp numbers came up, we started to think yeah. some of these things. You know, all the roast beef and turkey's gone, man. Yeah, down to bologna. So, <laughs> so 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 we'd asked this about. question and and doing some research on that. Would fish relocate? Because of depleting a food source. And the answer is absolutely, absolutely. yes. I mean, people would re- relocate when the absolutely. food source is gone. Why wouldn't right. fish do it? It's, right. it's, it's natural instinct. You know, I was thinking about something the other day. You know, everybody wants to see the big fish let go, you know. And I'm not saying not to let them go. But I was thinking about just hypothetically, you know, when we go deer hunting, Gary, we're not shooting little scrappy bucks. We're waiting to remove a mature buck to no, let the whoa. genes continue to go, right? Hold on. When, when you guys are out deer hunting... I, you're not shooting anything, Kaz. Let's be honest about this. <laughs> it's like taking a cap gun yeah. deer hunt when you got Kaz. <laughs> Would you say it's like taking a cap gun and Kaz when you got deer? Success rate's higher with a cap gun. <laughs> you're, you're an ass, man. <sighs> oh, God. But you know what? I was thinking about that. Why, why wouldn't you want to harvest the bigger fish to allow your smaller fish to, Well, you know? I've always wondered that about the rockfish. You know, when I was growing up, you couldn't keep a rockfish over 28 inches anytime. Right. And now, after the moratorium, they opened it up, you can catch those monsters to keep them. That's your breeding stock, man. Right, exactly. Just, to me, it's never made sense. You know, if, the, if you want to have a lottery and let a few of them be harvested, I get it. But but as, as far as just having an open season on them, I don't understand it. I don't care if they've, if they've spawned already or not. That's where your breeding stock comes from. And if you're doing that with an invasive species and you're letting the big ones go, then you're just, you've are just you got a larger breeding stock. And boom, boom, but, boom, you know, boom, there it is. And that's why there's, there's choice. You know, you can do that's what right. you want. I, I don't know if anybody's like had that. an opportunity to watch the, the, the Joe Love video on YouTube, but it's been recently updated. You know, so there's a lot of new info in there. Um, some recent data collected on the Potomac is showing the numbers are going up fast. And they believe some of that is due to the fact that the bow guys have left. Um, they're seeing a lot, a lot of snakeheads over there in their bass tournaments now. At least last couple of weeks, they've seen a lot more than they've been seeing. You know, so uh, I think um, I don't know, man. I mean, I just feel like I've got to do my part to harvest some fish. You know, that that's just how I personally feel. Roman, let me ask you something, okay? I'm going to ask you a hard question, and and I know that you have the same feeling that I have. <laughs> Maybe. I hope. Well, I, I think we're on the same page. I, you know, I don't want to waste fish either. I know how you feel about that. So, you know, when you're out there and you're fishing uh, with your snakeheads and stuff, what what do you do most? Do you keep your fish? I mean, t- t- tell me about 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 how you feel. Yeah, I keep I keep most of my fish, and the reason for that is, like you said, you're 100 percent right. I don't waste fish if there's no you know if there's nobody to give those to or. If nobody else wants them and you have plenty in your freezer, I let them go. But that's very rare. I have very, very many friends and family, and I give it to churches a lot. In my church, I give it to them. And they always welcome to take a whole cooler full of fish because they feed a bunch of folks themselves. So 99.9% of the time, all my friends know that even if they don't want to keep it, most likely I'll I'll take it after, you know, their limit and my limit and everybody's limit and give it to to a good folks in church or something like that. So I keep them. That that that's really a good thing to do, and I have a lot of respect for that. You know, and I'm in the same boat. You know, fortunately, I've got plenty of places to move the fish. You know, so I keep yeah. my fish too. But just keeping it honest, you know, if I had a five or six pounder and I didn't have anywhere to go with it, the last place I'm gonna do is throw it in the middle of the road for somebody to run over. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just exactly. not doing that. You know, there's plenty of people out there that want something to eat, and 
There's a lot of people who never tried snakehead. Right. I've got a That's list, exactly right. list of people waiting now. Yeah. And, and, and and even like here, you know, I mean, we know we're not going to deplete them. I mean, look at how many thousands and thousands have been harvested here. And the numbers are just still here. And we know the numbers are still here because the relative abundance that we're still surveying is not coming up. We're still seeing depletion in some of the species, you right. know? Um before we go any further, let's uh, let's talk about our good friend Kevin over there at Bass Rack Outdoors. See this pretty hat right here? You can get that right there from Bass Rack Outdoors and our good friend, Mr. Kevin. Um, so, look, uh, we're going to be giving away a Lunker Hunt pocket frog. Look, if you're looking for hats, apparel, shirts, stickers, I mean, he's got, he's got like, the coolest stickers, you know, crab champion crab picking champion you know i mean there's all kinds of stuff that he that he creates and, and markets so shirts spices that's what i'm gonna say next the spices so he's got a whole line of spices uh specifically some are made for snakehead some are made for other things but you can certainly use the spices on anything that you want to use them on so if you haven't had a chance to try any of the spices that kevin has i can tell you right now we had some of that here and we put that at, on the traeger grill yep. when, we were, when we were cooking for everybody i even threw oysters on the grill for everybody and i'll tell you what it was absolutely delicious. And I think the coolest thing about his marketing angle is using his grandmother and his grandfather, you know, their recipes and their blends. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's really cool that he's passing that on down the line and he's being public with it. A lot of people here on the Eastern Shore, and you know this, Eddie, they won't share their recipes. They won't share how they make stuff, you know? We, we try and say, Kaz. We try and say. I'm just trying to say you're holding back, man. I want the <laughs> recipe, bro. <laughs> But, uh, but no, I mean, uh, so so let's give away a lunker on Pocket Frog. And, uh, Eddie, what do you want to put in contact? Um, they've got to say, oh, I'm trying to remember what Kevin's uh, grandfather's name was on the space. Orville. 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 With an A. a, a yeah, with an A. Uh, Orville's, what was it? Orville's blend? Orville's. I'm trying to remember what the name man, of the space I was. I did good to remember that. <laughs> 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 How about this? I love spice. There we go. I love spice. <laughs> okay, I, dro I dropped the ball on that one. <laughs> I right. love spice. Very good. Very good. <laughs> so, Raymond, let's talk about hunting. You do any hunting or anything like that? I used to be a lot more into hunting, but just I've been, I live in Baltimore City. It's more, you know, I got to do my party and then I get fishing in the city. I ain't got time for <laughs> Do my me. party and then get fishing in the city. You you got one of the best sicker guides right here sitting next to me, Mr. Gary. I'll tell you right now, he'll put you on a deer. Well, another one, you know, your cousin, he's not bad at it either, so I've been bugging him for the last few years. Yeah. So we'll hey, look, look, let me tell you about my cousin Ricky, okay? <laughs> 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 he's his cousin. One more you need to Look, if it's brown, sorry, it's sorry, down. Man. I can tell you that, man. You know, I mean, if, if it's meat, I have never seen somebody with five freezers in their basement full of deer meat, turkey, flounder fillets, all kinds of stuff, you know? Not that many, but whatever. But, I mean, he, he makes a lot of burgers. I can tell you that. That's the thing he always gives to me is burgers. I bet you last year he killed a few sick. I know that. He killed a few whitetail. I know that. So, let I me mean, just figure he probably killed five or six deer last year. You know what I mean? That's a pretty good pile of deer. How many did you kill? Six, wasn't it? <laughs> no, I had eight last year. Eight. Great year. Oh, you, did, you probably did better than Ricky then. Do you want to talk about what we were talking about before yeah, the show? Quick, while we're on top, while on top of the deer. I don't if uh, anybody listening to, that hunts deer has looked at the new regs this year. Oh, yeah. But Blackwater... Is always been separate because it's federal land, 
No longer is that the case. Whatever you shoot on Blackwater goes towards your state quota. So your quota now is, is uh, three stags, one for shotgun, one for rifle, one well, actually muzzleloader and one for bow, so it's four. Uh, you can't rifle on Blackwater, so you right. can get, you know, shotgun. That doesn't count. But if you get a if you get a muzzleloader on stag on Blackwater, that's that's your state one too. Yep. Basically, your limit's cut in half. If yeah, you, that's a big but, change. Wow. You know, you, you can get more than anybody's going to eat in a year. Oh, yeah. You can still, so. you can, I mean, when you put that together with whitetail, you can still shoot plenty of deer. That's, that's what I'm sure. saying. I mean, if you shoot three or four deer a year for that's, yourself, I mean, yeah, that's, four that's seasons, a lot of meat, man. Four seasons, three. So that's 12, 12 sick of deer. Yeah. I mean, you know. And and basically 12 whitetail, yeah. too. So. No, white can feed the dwarfs with all that. You know? <laughs> so, Roman, you know, I want to talk about. Gary wants to ask you something about something, so uh, I'm something not going to... Something. Yeah, something about something. I'm going to yeah. let him talk to you about yeah, you this. Kinda, you kind of made a new little tool thing, man. I want to hear about that. I'm going to show it to the folks, and I'm going to let you explain it. So, where it came from is me and Rick was fishing one day, and we got really on a good bite, and I'm telling you, it was a two-day tournament, and we were just tearing them up. The first day, we had like 46 fish, and the next day, we had like 40-some fish. And every single fish that Rick caught, he needed assistance because he was running the motor, so he needed assistance. He needed he needed me to help him remove the lure. And that took a lot of my time from putting my rod down, turning around, helping him remove the lure, and so forth. So I wanted to really make something that would help me keep that fish right there in one hand, and the other hand just removes the lure. Well... I tried the springers that they had, and the springers worked pretty good. I'm not going to put the springers down. They just stick it in their mouth. But it only works on the fish about five, six pounds and less. Anything bigger than that will, they will bite down on it, and they will put those springers down, and you better watch your fingers then. So then I figured out how to – there was a tool already existing, something close to it, and I just had to completely redesign the size, the handle, the clicking mechanism so it doesn't slip, so it's precise and so forth. And I found the right manufacturer. I went back and forth with the manufacturer for about three years until it was the way I wanted it. I got the right patent on it. It's patent pending. And now I'm finally able to sell it to an average anchor. The tool goes for $39.99. And anybody can reach out to me or go to Facebook at Snakehead Jawbreakers and message me. And I can get one around for that. Stainless steel? Works great. I've got one. I love it. I, just, I used it. Actually, my cousin caught a 32 and a half inch, which is what we used to get the hook out. And right. well, a lot, you know, a I was wondering where you came up with the idea, and then I found out you got the medical background. <laughs> that's, that's I'm not even going to ask you what you were studying. That's, that's literally what TJ just <laughs> yeah, put in the comments. Say, TJ, TJ just, just said, said I can see your medical history coming through on that yeah. thing. I'm not, I, we're not going to ask you what you were studying. <laughs> <laughs> I will. What were you studying, <laughs> man? <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> but the other thing that happened was that we used it, like, if you asked me what my favorite bait was, and first thing came to my mind was the three, three and a half, four inch pedal tail. I used quality pedal tails like Kytax and softer plastics to get that pedal something in the back. When you get that, you get a reaction of a fish. Most of the time, when you get a snakehead to bite a soft bait, we all know what happens to it. Oh, yeah. It's not going to run the same way again. Now you might get one to catch another fish, but I think yeah. that you need to need to have the right bait set up on the right hook so it runs the right way, and that 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 helps you save your bait by you know you can use the bait for three four fish instead of just one. You know, one, th- one thong, thing I found. You know, go ahead. 
one thing I found out about these Roman is, is that uh, a lot of times you get a snakehead that can clamp that jaw down. It's hard to get the mouth open. So it's, uh, this is pretty thin, but it's still hard to get in their mouth. If you get one like that, you can shove this in the back of the gill and open them up from the inside, which is real good. Sometimes if they've got a frog or something, they've got it buried down in there, you can put this from behind them, open their mouth, and it gives you a lot more room to reach your hand down in their mouth. I meant to ask him about that and tell him about what you were doing, yeah. coming through the gills doing that. Yeah, I, I, I find sometimes that. that it works a little better from the gills because it just gives you more room. You're not reaching around this being open. Yeah. It, it works just as good either way. Hold the, fish with, hold the fish with one hand and have another hand to hold the flyer. I'm going so to use Cass here and show everybody how it works. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going in for the gills, though. Now, 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 now you, you, you have some tutorials over there on Jawbreaker, and we've shared some to snakeheadlife.com and Blackwater's Edge and Bait Boys and all the other flat platforms that we got. Um, That's right. Just to show Angler how to pretty much use it, be comfortable with it, uh, try to break it. I, I haven't had any negative feedback about it yet. That's pretty um, tough. I tell people, if you break it and you have problems with it, you message me, you'll get a new pair. I designed this. I'm not a businessman. I have a decent job, and I'm happy with my job. I'm not a business. I don't even know how to do this business stuff. I really designed this to save the lure and help the angler to get that bait out of there and back in the water to get them. Because you know how snakeheads bite. They bite for 20 minutes. They'll turn off for an hour, yep. and then they'll bite for an hour again. You gotta get. You gotta. You gotta work that out. And sometimes they'll eat your lure. And if you don't have two pairs of pliers, well, good luck. Right. That's true. <laughs> right. And, and really, if you think, and, re- and really, if you think about it, if you had to buy two pairs of pliers, good pliers, to do what you're you're aiming to do, you've saved money at thirty nine ninety nine. Where I'm from, because I know I've bought pliers before that were thirty five and forty dollars for a pair of nice pliers. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So real, really, three really, frogs pr- equals the price of that. You save three frogs, and there will be forty bucks right there. Well, that, that, frogs are like sixteen bucks. That's what I'm saying. The price point that you got right there is amazing. And, you know, I want to give a little shout-out to my cousin, too, because I know JR has been moving some for you up there, and he's been plugging yeah, them a lot, you know. And I can tell you what, you know, if you're looking for some custom chatterbaits and things like that, don't be afraid to look up my cousin J.R. Witzel at Jigged Up Customs. I mean, he's got a lot of good stuff up there that you can see, too. Roman, let me stop for one second. I want to talk about my good friend Roy Bradshaw down here in Church Creek. Roy Bradshaw's Body Shop. Look, if you get caught down here in a bad place, a bad position, or deep in a ditch, or your car is filling up with water because you didn't put the brake on at the ramp, you know who you're calling? You're calling our good friend Roy Bradshaw. Bradshaw's coming. Look, we're going to give away, on behalf of Mr. Bradshaw this week, a pack of snakehead destroyers. You were just talking about paddle tails, right? Look at these beautiful things right here. These things are amazing. I know Kevin and a bunch of them guys over there have been using them, and we know a ton of people here that are just knocking them out the park with this slim. I mean, it's it's just a little bit different than a Kitech. You know, it's just a little bit downsized. It's a thinner body and durability as far as, you know, is it going to hold up? Yeah, man, uh, we got plenty of people that are throwing this bait, and uh, I know we're selling them as fast as we can get them in the door. Yep. And we got oh, other great. we got other people that've been asking, you know, can they get them for their shop for wholesale? So we're gonna start working on some of that too. And we're gonna start getting these up to the north for you guys, so you guys can have them in the upper beta throw. So, um, what do they got to say, Kaz? I love snakehead destroyer swim baits. There you go, easy enough. I love snakehead destroyer swim baits. It's that easy. Um, Roman, the whole tournament thing. Do you think that fishing tournaments has made you? How do I want to say it? More in I'll tell you what. I'll tell you more, what. Are you more then, enthused? Are you more enthused now than you were when I took you in 2016? 
Yeah, because I don't fish for the fish and I don't fish to be famous, the fish that I catch. I fish for the fun. I fish for making new friends. I fish yeah. to, to have a good time. And that that's the event that brings everybody together. Uh, I met a Ukrainian guy at the tournament. Didn't even know that there was another Ukrainian guy fishing. Uh, so who, just just small things like that. Who was that? Was, red, was, was that was that the red coat? Our red coat that's fisherman. Right. Yeah, yeah. Simon's right. Ukrainian? I yes. didn't know that. I didn't know what he was, but I knew his accent. Like, when I talked to him, like, I just love accents. Like, some of the shore people here, they got such a deep accent, I can't understand what they're saying sometimes. What you talking you know? about? What you talking about? Right. I don't know what you're talking you know, about. You know, and then when I met Simon, I was like, man, this guy's just really a down-to-earth guy. And then I find out he's got a YouTube channel, and you yeah, told me si- a, a si- Twitch Yeah, Simon actually fishes live on Twitch sometimes, too, uh, under the Red Coat Angler, I believe. So he's, he does a pretty good job yeah, fishing carp. I'm glad you guys made a connection. I think I think you guys could really, really do something, honestly. Yeah, but this is the reason, like I said, why I joined these tournaments. I don't, I don't fish for money. I mean, I'm, I'll take it. Trust me. I love, I love <laughs> right. Roman, if you, if you didn't want to get famous, you shouldn't have won the tournament, my friend. Right. <laughs> That's right. Oh, <laughs> you shouldn't have made this tool either. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, the tool is to help everybody. It's not to make it to make me famous in no way. It's honestly to help everybody to make their life easier. Look, Roman, I, I want to thank you for everything today. I'm not going to keep you anymore. we got to touch base on the fishing club. We're going to touch base on the upcoming tournaments. Got a lot going on down here. But, look, from the bottom of my heart, I consider you a great friend. I've enjoyed your friendship. And, um, hey, man, we're all on this journey together. You know what I mean? Really, that's what we are. You know, So let's do it. Let's, uh, let's bond. Let's make friends. Let's carry on, and let's have a good time. Roman, thank you very much. Thank you, Roman. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me, and I had a blast talking to you guys. And I'll be seeing you shortly, probably next week, and I'll be down there. Sounds, Sounds good. good buddy. Sounds good. It's been right, a good day, and we're glad you were day, part man. of it. Thank you very much. Bye bye. See you, Bob. So, Eddie, let's uh, let's talk about a few things before we sign out of here today with our last giveaway from the Bait Boys. Um, let's talk about the the Summer Slam, where we are with all that. So yeah, points. the uh, let's talk about the uh, Snakehead Summer Slam that is coming up July thirty first. We are. I mean, it, we feel like we just finished. The last I know, time. man. I know. I, I know. It's uh, we, we intentionally fishing club made, next week. <laughs> well, no, no, it's not next week. Well, we we intentionally made it so that there's six weeks between each tournament, so everybody would have time to rest and recuperate. Because I mean, it's a hard. It's it's tough when you go fishing for an entire day straight. It's, Look it's at hard. Willie, he was passed out in the back for <laughs> hours. Yeah, now. exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard on you. But no, I mean, it 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 may be six weeks between each tournament, but it, it moves fast. So uh, get signed up. It's just like before. Fifty dollars to enter. Um, the Snakehead Summer Slam, sponsored by Angler Sports Center. Um, remember, you guys are fishing for the uh, Angler of the Year trophy, the Snakehead Angler of the Year trophy, uh, sponsored by CCA Maryland's the Great Chesapeake Invasive Count, and the current leaders. Tell me a little huh. bit about the prize that that may be coming for the Angler of the Year. Have you heard anything on that, or is it still a mystery? No, no, no. Uh, Dave talked about it on the show uh, last week or the week before. The uh, it's a bronze statue. Oh, I thought it was. I thought he said it was fourteen karat gold. Yeah, dip. I don't think so. I think, <laughs> no, I think your memory's a little fuzzy on that. But oh, it's, a, it's a bronze statue. My memory's statue. always fuzzy. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get it played and send you to bed. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah. The, uh, CCA Maryland's getting a bronze snakehead trophy for the uh, winner of the Angler of the Year, and we're also doing, of course, our championship belt for the uh, Angler of the Year. And our current leader is actually a tie between Justin Klein and Tom Malachewski for two hundred and fourteen points each. Um, let's see. Calcut is same as before. Ten dollars each to get into them. Uh, heaviest of the tournament sponsored by Bassfork Outdoors. Longest of the tournament sponsored by Horseman Enterprises. Uh, the most harvested minimum of eight inches sponsored by the Land Group. 
Heaviest of the year, sponsored by the Bait Boys, and the current leader for the heaviest of the year is Matt Fletcher with 7.75 pounds. And Metfers Outdoors. If you need a custom rod, make sure you reach out to Matt. He'll get you taken care of. And, of course, the free-to-enter 17-and-under kids division, which Little Willie tore up this past tournament, sponsored by Roy Bradshaw's Body Shop. Eddie, let's talk about this points thing here for a minute. Okay. okay? Um, I had a lot of folks reaching out to me about how this point system works, how it breaks down. Yeah, it's very simple. Um, so it's, very, it's very simple. You, everybody who shows up for the tournament, once you're signed up, as long as you show up, you get 10 points off uh, right across the board, no matter what, whether you turn in a fish or not. You only get points for being on the leaderboard if you actually turn in a fish for the tournament. So uh, that's why I think Tom came in first in the first tournament. Uh Justin actually finished in, I can't remember if it's third or fourth. Yeah, he wasn't up there. No, he's, he's, he's like third. I think he's third in the first tournament and fourth in the, sec- in the second, something like that. Um, but he's actually tied with Tom. I think Tom only turned in one fish this past tournament and was yeah. like and was like 10th or 11th on the leaderboard. Um, but that's why they're tied in points. So you only get leaderboard points, which is you get 100 for first, 99 for second, 98 for third, all the way down for as many until – Till the, I mean, we've never had 100 people in the tournament yet, but if there, if there was 100 people and you were in last place, you'd have one point if you turned into fish. Um, now, here's the thing. I, I just want to throw this out there. You know, you see Justin, you see Tom tied up. You know, we come into this next tournament, and they skunk out. Yeah, you're, yeah. Everything changes. Yeah, you exactly know? right. Um, we don't want you to think that, that, that there's a, a, a big enough spread that you can't have a chance to get back in there because was, that's not the case. What was the spread on the first tournament? Because Tom, Tom caught... Five fish. What was the spread between I, first and second place? It was only uh, it was only one or two one point because it's still hundred. It's still the same points. One hundred ninety nine, ninety eight. So it was only one point between first and second in the first tournament, and then but but the way with Justin placing in both tournaments, the way he did that that bumped him up into a tie with Tom, right. and so that's that's why it's worked out the way. But yeah, I mean if if Tom, it's anybody's and, and game. Look, let's be it's let's, still anybody's game. You know, if, if if Tom skunks out the next tournament, then it's going to hurt him badly in, in the angler of the year sports. I mean, the, the angler of the year points system. So I mean, that's just the way the tournament system is structured across all four tournaments. But like Roman was saying, let's say you win a tournament and you didn't you didn't fish in one of the tournaments, you could still win one of the tournaments, win a thousand dollars. You right. don't you might not get a championship belt yeah. at the end of the year, but that's still a thousand dollars. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, we're giving away a good check when they fish. You know, yeah. we're we're, we're giving them free goodies every morning when they're going out to fish, you know. I mean, there's a lot of just stuff that we're trying to give back to these anglers that are participating, That's it. you know. Now we're, yeah. we're trying to make it as, as many different possible ways for you to win. And, and and as far as the kids' division goes, you know, a lot of folks are saying they have to sign up, they have to do that. No, here's the deal. You be here at the weigh-in with your child at 4.30 and you say you fish legal waters, we're going to go with it. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, we're, we're, I'm not, I mean, the kids are, it's free to enter. I'm not going right. to argue with, with, right. with a kid about right, it. Right, right. So, you know, I had a couple people ask me about that. Well, can we still go? Yes, you can still go. If, if you can't get signed up, you can't register, just come yeah, here. The, the kids is separate. That We did it that way so they didn't have to be at the at the uh, captain's meeting at 5 a.m. because it's, right. it's hard to get a kid up at 5 a.m. I mean, the rest of the rule is pretty basic. You can fish yeah. anywhere, anywhere as long as it's public accessible. Any, anywhere, anywhere in Georgia County. You can stand County. on private land as long as I can get there by right. a kayak or a boat or Canoe or whatever. We we try to keep it as simple as possible. And there, I mean, we had one question at the captain's meeting uh, this past tournament. Uh, what if somebody is fishing? A, it, it's a public river, but there's a an obstruction that people in a kayak can't get to. But you can only get to it from private land if you have access. I mean, it, that's that's a it's tough. To, I mean, it's still public waters. There there's no way for us to say that somebody couldn't fish that. Yeah, if a big tree fell across the river and you can't get up there because it's too skinny, I mean, that's not. 
That's you're not in that, a kayak, you just forge your kayak up yeah. across the tree or whatever. I mean, you, you know, Don't get on the land and walk because you might be in black one, one place that exists right. where I fish, and it's Blackwater owns the land, or, or actually one piece is private, and Blackwater owns the rest, so, it, uh, you know, it's irrelevant. Right. But, no, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's, we try to keep it as simple as possible. So just, just come out and fish and have a good time. Yeah. And like Roman was saying, I mean, just, it's, it's for fun. We're, we're, I mean, there is some money to be won, but it's, it's for fun. That's the main goal. So, you know, I want to talk a little about the fishing club. You know, we're doing really yep. good with that. We're gaining members every, yep. every meeting. So I mean, we're, um, we're, we're working on some things. We just put a poll in there in the uh, club last week or the week before. I can't remember when I posted the poll. But we had some real good response to that. We, we've got our, our, definitely our top option is the club wants to do a trash cleanup uh system somehow so we're we're working on sponsor that, yeah, we're, we're working on getting that sorted out how we're going to get that all put together yep. and some other cool things just touch base you know we're, yep. we're, we're going to have a, an in-house tournament in the club you know yeah. and, and we're going to use what what kind of fishing poles barbie rods <laughs> that kind of stuff so you know yeah, just gonna, some fun stuff yeah we got a lot of fun stuff family night coming up you know we got some charters we're going to schedule with the group to go right. on you know trips things like that day trips it's going to be really really fun so for it's, everybody. It's, it's 50 dollars a year to join the uh, snakehead life fishing club um, but if you fish all four tournaments, then then you're automatically in the fishing club for free. So that's that's, it. so you buy buy four get one free. <laughs> um, let me think. Uh, let's talk about is there anything else we need to touch about. Yes, the the uh, angler spotlight of the week from SnakeheadLife.com is this photo was submitted by Lenny Zawaki. I, th- I hope I said that right, Lenny. Um, and this kid has a pretty nice snakehead there, and that that's our. Uh, Angler Spot of the Week, sponsored the, by the, the Bait Boys. The, the, the look, the look on his face. So, look, the, the Meps Angler of the Week, sponsored by the Bait Boys. Our good friend, Mr. Damian Tall. If you need bait, he'll get you straight. It's that simple. So, look, if you need snakehead destroyers, need minnows, need anything like that, uh, please reach out to Damian Tall through Facebook or through the Bait Boys Facebook page as he is back handling customers at his house yep. again. Yep. Um, you know, he'll get you straight with whatever you need. What else you got there, Eddie? Anything so else? So, Lenny, uh, stop in here to the store and pick up your Meps lure, and that, that's for your Angler Spot of the Week. That's all I've got. Um, Gary, anything else you got? Oh, that's something else to give away. <laughs> what? We give away. Show, show, him, show him that right there. Dave. Oh, yeah, that's that's the MEPS for Lenny. That's, that's, that's so, Lenny's MEPS. So you can, you can come down here and you can pick out whichever MEPS you want off the shelf. You can't yeah. have the $12.99 MEPS, but you can have. Yeah, you, we, can. you had somebody last week. Can I have these thir- $13 no, no, ones? Number three MEPS. You, you can have any of them that's not, not one of the tandems. Right. That's the, <laughs> the tandems are, are, are a different, different story. Um, let me think. I'm trying to think. So up the bay, we've got August 14th coming. Let's, yes. talk, let's talk about that a little bit. Mr. So, Scott Sewell and uh, what they got going up there yeah, with MR Bass. August 14th is MR, ba- MR Bass's Snakehead uh, Tournament. Snakehead, I can't remember what the name of their tournament is. Um, August 14th, we're going to do out of Flying Point yeah, Park. Yeah, it's out of Flying 50- Point. Oh, uh, was it 50 or 100 it's fi- boats? It's, they've, they've cut it down to 50 boats and 50 kayaks. Okay, and, then, and then Roy's going to help with Roy's the, helping with the kayak gum, division. And I think that's in Gunpowder. They're going to put in at Dundee, I believe. Now, I think originally it was Mariner Point, but they changed that up or something like right. that. I know he's he's on the podcast watching now, so he might be able to help us out with that. Um, and also, you can reach out to Mr. Scott Sewell. He is the Maryland Bass Conservation Director. That's right. Or to the uh, Maryland Waterways Association. Yes. They're also helping out. You can reach out to any of those guys to get, signed, get your boat signed up for it. Um, let me announce the winners of all the giveaways real quick. Um, the winner of the Hyperlastic Start Spin Pro was Patrick McMaster. Um, the winner of the Z-Man Micro Chatterbait was Paul Barriger. The winner of the Lunker Hunt Pocket Frog was Mike Dunsmore. And the winner of the Snakehead Destroyer Swimbait was Justin Sellers. And look, 
If you want to get some more information, also you can reach out Talking to, to your bike, guys. the Maryland Waterways Foundation. They can give you all the information you want on that tournament on August 14th. Um, what, is there anything we're missing here? That's all I've got, I think. I think I, think I can't do it anymore. We're, we're, we're two minutes over an hour I here. I will so. say this, though. It feels really nice sitting here tonight, doesn't Gary? Kind of the day. He's, he's always got to say <laughs> something. <laughs> if, it didn't, if it didn't heat, it's chiggers. <laughs> if it didn't chiggers, it's ticks. If it didn't ticks, it's metal. If it didn't metal, it's fiberglass. And it was not that. Or wires. Shells, he's bro, got more wires. problems than Dick Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> no, what was the old saying? Liver's got quarter pills or something. Carter's yeah, got liver yeah. pills. Carter's got liver pills. Right? Yeah. No, so we got our AC hooked up, man. It's nice in here today, and it? Yeah, it feels absolutely. really good. I, I, I like it. I, I just like the fact that we've got this nice little studio here that we can come sit in. We ain't fancy. We ain't professional. But we are good. I will say that. Um, so, look. So, before we get out of here, we're going to give away a few crabs. So, um, you know, I always like to give away a couple dozen. So, we're going to give away to two folks this weekend. We're going to give you each two dozen mixed Maryland crabs. So, you can pick them up at the crab stand uh, this weekend if you need them. Um, so, here are our winners of the free crabs. Malulu Laurie. You get two dozen free crabs. Christine White Gaylor. You get two dozen free crabs. And look, this weekend, July 4th is coming up. It's going to be a crazy, crazy weekend in the crab business. So if you're coming to get crabs, please bear with us as we're going to be busy, busy, busy. We're going to do our best to get you in and out as fast as we can. You mean people want crabs on a holiday? I know, man. Really? What's up with that? What's wrong with that? Right. <laughs> but, uh, but look. We're going to do our best to fill the orders. We're going to have a lot of stuff on the menu that we don't normally have. Uh, we're going to have some tuna. We're going to have some rockfish. We're going to have some oysters. Uh, Fat-ass super salts. We'll have them. Uh, they're just some delicious oysters. Hashtag deep cup. You know, I like a deep oyster. I like a lot of, uh, <laughs> I like a lot of meat in my, in my oyster if I'm going to eat it. So uh, make sure you check out some of those fat-ass super salts. We're not, we're not going to be uh, too busy to sing, are we? Uh, no. Uh, are you, do you mean you're singing with no, me today? No, no, no. Oh, wait a minute, Gary, here. I'll tell you what, I you just close it I out. I wasn't getting plural on you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean Eddie's going to sing? Absolutely not. My crabs, they have three first names. It's heavy, full, and fat. My crabs, they have a fourth name. Absolutely mustard pack. So if you ask me where they're from, they're all from right here on the Eastern Shore. They're guaranteed Maryland number ones. We don't blend crabs. At the crab stand, here's a fact I know for sure you're coming back. Kapow! Kapow! And kapow!